podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, hello, here we go. It's the Combine Podcast. What is happening, everyone? Welcome back to another Copy podcast. And to have a little chat about Sunday's tiny game against Man United at Old Trafford and Mick Moran. And I'm joined by Dave Lynch, uh, journalist Dave Lynch. How are you doing, Dave? Yeah, not too bad. As we were saying off there, the joys of having a pint back. So, uh, you know, (laughs) outside of work, everything's uh, a little bit better than it was. A bit more to do. And uh, yeah, looking forward to getting fans back in the ground and positive things are happening now so it's uh, yeah I'm probably in a better mood than last time we spoke I imagine oh yeah I mean yeah you were miserable last time I think anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no uh, well I'm just thinking actually is this is this your hat-trick appearance because if it is we've got a special flyaway coming your way with man and Jay's name on it yeah that's it exactly yeah, I want one of the uh, yeah I want a flyaway <laughs> sent, sent here please if you, you can just send it deflated if that's easier and I'll just blow it up myself yeah, well, we've just been talking about the Champions League trophy, so I'll, I'll have a word with Jay, and he might be able to. Do, we can do that special parade around Anfield. No, that we can't. We can't actually do it for, for real. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's let's crack on. We've got um, before we, what we do on these shows now. Before we get into the the footy, we try and have a little laugh with a, a little random question. And I mean, this one isn't random as such; it's footy related, but it's from. Um, it's from Zubin Darver on Twitter, and the question is, if Liverpool and Man United had an option to swap one player from each team based on the existing fitness and availability, who would you pick? So, yeah, it's a difficult one, that, Dave. What, what do you think on that one? I think I, I think for Liverpool, the obvious answer is is that the, you know, the, the issues at centre-half, isn't it? So you've, you've got to pick one. And I know, I know he maybe gets a little bit of stick, and, and he's perhaps... You know, more highly rated than he deserves to be, but I still, I still genuinely do think that, that Harry Maguire is a, a decent centre half. But you know, maybe he's not a maybe he's not a leading centre half in a title winning team. But you know, for Liverpool's aims at the moment, getting in top four, he's definitely that that level. I think he's a, a fairly high quality player, and so I think Harry Maguire, if, if Liverpool could get hold of him till the end of the season, they'd probably fancy the chances of, of top four a little more than than the current options they've got. Uh, the, the other way is, I'm, I'm trying to think, there, there are a few issues that Manchester United team, I think, but um, to be honest, if they were going to pick any player, I think I think they would probably quite like to take Mo Salah, wouldn't they? The, the form is in. I think their forward line, there's some quality there, but but none of them at that high level of consistency that, that Salah shows, none of them that you probably put in the world-class bracket, even if a few of them have got that potential. Um, and, and Cavani's maybe just a bit past that now, isn't he? So I think, yeah, I think Mo Salah would be the one they they quite like to take out of the Liverpool team. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I agree with you on Harry Maguire. I mean, when he was at Leicester, he he, he is a good player, isn't he? I just think now there's there's so many memes about him being like a fridge for Man United, <laughs> then he turns like a bus, and turns like a tank, and this is just kind of snowballing into what people think he actually is, and he's not. I mean, he's a good centre half. I don't think he's amazing, but like you said, he would he would be good for us in this moment in time. Yeah. Obviously, with what we're gonna we're gonna come on to Nat Phillips and obviously Kabach and that later on in the show. But he, he would, like you said, he would go he would go straight in there. But um, yeah, Dan, Dan's just said in the comments they can have Davies, won't miss him. I'll take Greenwood <laughs> if that's allowed. Yeah, Greenwood. Oh, I'm I'm jealous they've got Greenwood. He, he is just reminds me of Sturridge so much the way he, he yeah. can just glide on on that left foot. Um, quality isn't it but um yeah I, th- I think I'd, I think I'd agree with you on, on both of those Dave I mean that them having Salah would be a scary prospect because I think with um, Bruno Fernandez as well as much as I hate hate the fella he is 
very good at um, in that creative role. So he would he'd get a half full of uh, assists for a Mo Salah, wouldn't he? But yeah, that, thank God we don't have to actually do that. Uh, that's a that's a blessing. In the sky. <laughs> yeah. I don't actually I don't actually want Harry Maguire. So you know, let's just leave it as <laughs> yeah. it is. I was going to say that's going to get clipped and put all over Twitter. That, that. <laughs> Dave Lynch wants Maguire at Liverpool. <laughs> the usual shit you get tagged in all the time. On <laughs> but anyway, Dave, let's. Um, I mean, let's jump into the actual the actual game then. Obviously, Klopp hasn't done his press conference um, yet, but I just wanted to speak to you about. Uh, Fabinho and his his importance in midfield. I know you did a a piece on Tuesday for Liverpool.com relating to his his um, where he's been featuring this season. Obviously, fifteen games for for Liverpool. His record at centre back reads as one one drawn three lost five in midfield. It's one four drawn one lost one, and then you, you go on to say on this evidence is his starting place in the centre of the park should be non negotiable. And I mean, I I agree with you completely. And I know you got a lot of comments on that going well who's gonna who's gonna um go and send it off if we've got anyone and just a lot of a lot of um people in in, in your comments like like there usually is but yeah i agree with you completely he if obviously we're going to come on to nat phillips but if nat phillips is fit then that, that's him and cdm it's just the it's the easiest decision you're going to make isn't it in terms of how how much he improves our game i mean it's no coincidence that the last two games we've drew and he's had to be in center half yeah, I, I think. Do, do you know what? I was I was just stunned, really, to be honest, that the clock took him out of there. Um, yeah, I know, I know that injury to Nat Phillips made things even more difficult for him, and he's had so many selection issues, hasn't he? And, and, and the lack of consistency at centre half all season, so it's not an easy call to make. But the fact that Liverpool so notably improved, you know, the, the best period all of this year has been. When when Fabinho was was put back in centre half and, and Klopp sort of took one on the chin there because he he's never really sort of shown that he's fancied Nat Phillips as he I, I don't think I, I think it was a last resort to put him in the team um, you know he's never really sort of shown a great deal of faith in him and um, you know the fact that he went back to that was was an acknowledgement that Fabinho was so important in that position and, and Pep Linders gave an interview didn't he talking about how important he was to to the team to be there and. And so it seemed to me like an acceptance that, OK, we may have end up with a weaker centre-half pairing, but we can mitigate so much of that by just shutting down the, the middle of the pitch. And Fabinho is key to that, gives him so much control. And I think, you know, the, the fact he moved away from that just after the injury to Phillips shows, you know, he must he must really not rate Ben Davis at the moment or think he's ready and, and also to, to not think that Reese Williams should be thrown back in as well says a lot about him. So it's, um, yeah, I was surprised by it. And I... I think if Phillips doesn't make it, and I thought he might because he was pitching and sort of doing some individual sessions earlier in the week, but he's it doesn't seem to have been spotted at all in the in the team sessions since then, which is a bit concerning. Um, if he if he doesn't come back in, I, I don't think Old Trafford is the place that you maybe say to Ben Davis, okay, you're coming back in, and and I don't think you drop Reese Williams back in, so it looks like he's going to stick with Fabinho and. I just think Liverpool are a weaker team. I think these last two games, you've seen that complete lack of control in the middle. You know, even though they conceded late on in both those games, I think they were they were asking for trouble all the way through them. Where it was so easy to counter attack them, and I think I think with Manchester United, whose biggest strength is counter attacking and, and moving the ball quickly through the the sections of the pitch, I think that's going to going to be really really difficult for them. Yeah, and I just want to come on to what Doug's just said in the comments. Since 2004, we have won twice in 17 years at Old Trafford. That is just horrendous, isn't it, in terms yeah. of, of Liverpool's uh, perspective? That's just, yeah. And like you said, it's, if, I mean, 
Nath Phillips being fit is it's mad the way it, that is so key. It shouldn't be key when you start the season. When you, if you told us all that, Nath Phillips, who hasn't played the game yet, is going to be the, the rest of the season is going to be pinned on the hopes of him being fit for a, for a game against Man United. You would have laughed in the face, but that's where we're at, at the moment. And I mean, like you said, he wasn't pitched in training and if they're not pitched in training, all of a sudden they're presumed dead, aren't they? Because it was the same with Hotter last week, wasn't it? Where it was like, oh, Hotter's out. I was out for the season and this and that. And just like, fucking hell. And then Klopp just goes, yeah, yeah, he's fit. He's fine. <laughs> yeah. And then just like everything, yeah. just like the dust just settled straight away. But um, yeah, I mean, it just, just think Nat Phillips will, will be fit for this one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, the, the thing with the Jota one was that there was no indication whatsoever that he wasn't fit. So I got a, a load of uh, fancy football fanatics uh, tweeting me about that one and, and worrying about whether he was fit or not. But I, I didn't think even in the build-up to that there was any sort of suggestion that he wasn't going to be fit. So it didn't seem like one to worry about. And then Klopp obviously ended up confirming that that was the case. And uh, and then, but with, with Nat Phillips, the fact that he hasn't been in training beforehand, I know he's been doing those bits of individual sessions. It, it doesn't look great that he's not been pitches in, teams, in the team session. I, I think that's a little bit worrying. So, you know, there's there's still time, isn't there? And and hopefully Klopp has good news about it in his his press conference tomorrow. Um, but at the moment, doesn't look particularly promising. Um, and and like you say, it's it's concerning because he's he's become almost the the absolute key man, hasn't he? And and that acknowledgement that that maybe Liverpool don't need ultimate the the, the strongest team, the centre half pairing they can put together in terms of individual players. But just having him makes the team as a whole better because of what that does for to Fabinho. And yeah, it's it, it would be a blow if he's out. Yeah, it definitely it definitely would be. I mean, um, Dan's just put a comment in saying he'd he'd play Reese Williams at United redemption shot for him from the cup, and we've got nothing to lose. Uh, I think I'm agreeing with you though, Dave. To be honest, I would be very hesitant as much as I want Fabinho back into midfield and Reese Williams coming in would do that. I think that would. It's a lot of pressure on him, isn't it? Up against the very strong United front line with a lot of pace, and that that's the one thing he lacks. And I don't think it's fair on him for to come in. I mean, like Phillips and Kabak have been been great and, and obviously uh Fabinho having to cover there hasn't been ideal. I mean he it was at first when he first went in there, he was really good, wasn't he? We were all like, oh this could... I even remember saying on a podcast that could this be his new position? Like going forward, like I completely I don't know if I was just going absolutely fucking mad because the way the way the world is and I was just thinking oh, maybe <laughs> you can get a defensive mid in the summer and leave Fabinho at centre half but then when he goes back into midfield you realize just like like you said like it's it's his presence in there and it's the cutting off the passing lanes and it's just having that presence and awareness to be in the right place at the right time to make those what would be very dangerous attacks into kind of just he breaks it up and then we're on we're on the break and it's it's a little things like that isn't it where it's kind of he is just so pivotal to to all those things yeah, and and when you put him into centre half as well, it's not just a case of you know maybe partnering him with Van Dijk, which you could easily get away with. I think it, you know Fabinho is a classy centre half. Let's not get that wrong. You know, I don't think he's a poor player there at all. But when he's in in the sixth position, I think he's you know at worst top three in the world in in that position. Um, literally just a game changer for Liverpool. So I think it's absolutely crucial that they get him back in there as soon as possible, and and just sort of have to accept that whatever they put out at centre half isn't going to be great. I think. On the Reese Williams front, I just don't expect it. Just on the basis that that Klopp is is quietly, isn't he? A bit a bit of a conservative manager. I just don't think he he will go down that route because he you know he tries he does play things safe as much as he's got this reputation for fantastic football. I think de- defensive solidity is his 
his number one priority generally. So I just don't expect Williams or, or Davis to be walking out if, if Nat Phillips isn't fit, which means, you know, bad news for those of us who, who would like to see Fabinho in the middle. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of clamouring, wasn't there? Once we got Kabak and Phillips was kind of a part of the team to get Fabinho back next. Fabinho kept playing centre-half, didn't he? And we were all like, well, just put Fabinho back into midfield and we'll start winning games again. And then that happened. And obviously, people on Twitter are like, oh, why didn't he do this earlier? But I think it's like you said, Dave, that he, he wants that solidity in there. And if he only knows a certain partnership, he's not going to then change it up like quite drastically, just for, especially for a big game like this. But um, there's another question here that I wasn't going to ask, but... I, it is a good question, to be fair. 1893 Reds podcast. Would you start Mane for this game? I mean, there's been a lot of shit flying Sadio Mane's way, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, do you, a lot of people saying he's finished. He's 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 a shadow of the player he was. He hasn't got that ability anymore. It's gone. And I'm just thinking that's a load of shit because it's clearly, in, in my opinion, it's a, it's a form thing. And it's a he's. Do, do, do you agree with that? That it's just a form issue, and and he'll be back to the the same old Sadio next next year. I, th- I think he needs the end of the season. I, I don't think he's going to recover before then. I, I think this the, the amount of football he's had to play over the last few years has, has taken a big toll on him. The, the fact that this season it's been particularly relentless, and I think he's getting in his own head a little bit. He, he's hesitant in areas where he would have been so you know confident and and just you know getting his shots away straight away. He's taking an extra touch. There was one one where he gets played in the last game actually against Newcastle where he tries to sort of take it round the goalie where you, where you feel like he would have just hit it first time and, and run onto it and finished it. I think that sort of just summed up how the season's gone and, and it's it's only really sort of come to the fore recently. I think Firmino was getting the brick bats, wasn't he, early in the season about his form and I think Mane is the one who's who's taking the most heat at the moment. Um, and and to be fair, I, I sort of advocated for, for maybe Jota to take his place for a couple of games because I think I think Jota's sort of Played himself into that, and I think he he deserves a run. He's a you know he's been really bright, hasn't he, since he come in. So, but again, you know we're talking about the conservatism of occasionally of Jurgen Klopp, and I think he would quite like to go into this one with that front three again. I think that that'll be on his mind. I think you know ripping that up now might not be in his thinking. You know maybe if that's something that happens going into next season, he'll do it. But I think I think for now, you know Mane's. He's got so much credit in the bank, hasn't he? And, and, and knows the system, and he, and he, regardless of the fact that things aren't coming off for him, absolutely works his socks off. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be too surprised to see him on the team sheet. Yeah, and like you said, it's it's not it's not going to be like Klopp. To, like if if Klopp went with all four, I think we'd all be shocked, wouldn't we? Yeah, to, in a game of that magnitude, in in a game at Old Trafford, especially where. Where someone in the comments, I think it was Doug, that said we haven't our record's been pretty dreadful to be honest. But um, back to just want to get back to the this a quick question on the centre back thing again, Dave um, and Ben Davis. Um, what what's what are your thoughts on on this and and what is he is he a mirage? Is he is he a real person? Is he gonna is he gonna play any games? What what what's your thoughts on on the signing and and the fact that he's still not made a an a, a appearance yet? Yeah, a bizarre one. I think. I think maybe it's looking very much like a case of Liverpool just seeing what was out there in the market in terms of, you know, knowing they could make almost a quick profit on a player. Um, you know, I'd be sort of. It's got to the point where I'd be very surprised if, if Ben Davies is here next season. I know it's all all the way in. You know, throughout his his, his very short Liverpool career, it's been a difficult moment to throw him in. There's been no obvious games where you'd say, okay, he's got to start this one. Um, 
but the fact he, you know, he's not even making the squad sometimes, I think, suggests that that he's not really in the manager's plans. And I think it was an easy buy to make in the sense that okay, we can spend two million or, or whatever it was, a very nominal nominal fee. Uh, take a look at him, see if the manager fancies him. If not, we know what clubs were willing to pay for him. Otherwise, if if his contract had been running a little bit longer, so. I think I think that's one that, that Liverpool are just going to flip and get some easy profit in, which is you know I, I suppose that if they can do that and they can quickly get him off the books, then that's not worked out too badly for the player either. You, you just hope he doesn't get prolonged and he doesn't get made to hang, hang around just because they can't find a buyer who will will meet their fee because you know that that would be really unfair on the player, wouldn't it, to to give them that chance and then well say that you were giving them that chance and then not allow them to play and then you know keep them hanging around and, and without the prospects of first team football, so. Yeah, if it, if it gets to the end of the season, he hasn't made an appearance. Hopefully, for him, he can he can sort of get a quick move away and, and to to a to a big club. Yeah, it's 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 a bizarre one because when when he came in, I was obviously not excited, but I was thinking, oh, this is a bit of a bit of a mad one. But he, if he's, I mean, I, I read a few like uh, a few Preston fans' thoughts on him. Obviously, they were saying he's a good player. They think he'll make it in the Premier League, and they were like kind of bigging him bigging him up in a way, saying that he, he is good enough to do it, but then he doesn't, like you said, he's not even getting into the squad some week, so it is a bit of a bizarre one, but I think it the, the longer the season goes on and the, and he's still not getting a game, I think that's going to be, yeah, I think that is look, looking like it's going to be the case, isn't it, in terms of um, quick profit in the summer, and then hopefully put that towards, I don't know, another an, another player or another couple of players if, we, if we've got a bit of money in the bank. Yeah, and well, that, uh, it, it sort of says a lot as well that, that he was very close, wasn't he, to, to joining Celtic prior to that yeah. that move being put together. You know that that would one hundred percent would have would have happened in the in the summer, if not before. I think Preston was sort of waiting for for Celtic to make their offer and, and just get him in January, just so they could get a little bit of money in, and then Liverpool appeared out of nowhere, which they really sort of didn't expect. So. You know, maybe maybe he does end up going to Celtic, or if they don't want to pay the money now, I, I still think he'll get a decent move, and hopefully that's still in the Premier League or somewhere around there. Um, because you know, like you say, all the reports from Preston fans were, were really positive about him. So I think he's a good player in there, but but obviously Liverpool's level or the the level that they aspire to be at, maybe not been at it this season, uh, is is perhaps a little higher, and, and Klopp's just not seen that that sort of level in him in training yet. Yeah, and I think it feeds nicely as well into the the Canate stuff which has kind of been breaking recently um what what do you make of Canate and what what do you, what you've seen of him so far I mean I've only seen bits and he looks like the the archetypal uh Liverpool center half doesn't he tall strong good on the ball um wins wins a lot of headers um what do you what do you make of what have you seen of him so far yeah, well, to be honest, I, I you know I don't want to pretend that I've I've watched a lot of him. I, I you know don't watch a, a, an awful lot of Bundesliga football or very infrequently. If I if I do watch it, it's, it's probably Bayern to be honest, mostly. And um, so so yeah, not a player I know an awful lot about. I just know that that Liverpool obviously really like him. He's he's one of a couple of options. I, I think you know I'm, I'm leaning towards the idea that although Liverpool are sort of pushing back on this, I I, I do really think they like him. I think. One of the main considerations about signing him, as it was explained to me, was was the fact that you know not only is he he's got that release clause, which thinks in the in the region around forty million, isn't it? Um, but Liverpool would have to, if they are to meet that, they would have to pay it in one lump sum. So obviously that is a it's a huge commitment to make, isn't it? Particularly with with finances the way they are. Um, I'm still leaning towards the idea that I think Liverpool are going to trigger it. I, I do think they like him a lot, and they see him as a player who could have a big future at Liverpool, but. It's a, it's a tough decision, and the timing of, of when they do that is important in terms of accounting and, and stuff like that. So, 
yeah, I think it might go on for a little bit longer, but it seems to be that the agreement's there between the player and, and, and the club. So uh, I think it's just a case of, of when rather than if at the moment. Yeah, and uh, while we're on this, Dave, what your thoughts on Kabach then? Because obviously there's a, I think there's an 18 mil release clause and I've seen somewhere, might have been on Twitter, that that could even be reduced to 8 million. Is that is that something that, that could be possible as well? That deal? I've, I've not heard anything about a reduction in the fee, I think. I mean that if it if it is possible that it would be reduced to eight million, then Schalke have, have probably struck the worst deal uh, <laughs> in football history, haven't they? Yeah. Because I think, I think, given his age, I think he's you know really promising player. I think Liverpool's issue is that at the moment, you know, do they want to go into next season with five centre halves because they're not going to sell Matip? Uh, they're going to well, or they would probably very likely struggle to sell Matip for a fee they would think is acceptable because I think he's a, he's an absolutely brilliant centre-half when he's fit. But obviously those fitness issues are going to make it difficult for them to, to get a big fee in for him or a fee that they would think was worth it. Gomez and Van Dijk both to come back and you hope will be in you know tip-top condition. I know they, they're both looking good, Nick, don't they, on those running videos. That's really promising. So, um, yeah, you know, and then Canate, if they were to sign him, I think it's... It's difficult to make the case that they would want a fifth centre half in, um, even even considering that, that Gomez and Van Dijk might have slight issues in terms of coming back to full fitness, which you would expect given the long term nature of the injury. So I, I don't know. I, I, I'm just not on the, the, the side of things that, that, that they could sign Canati and then also go for Kabak. And I think the main consideration around him as well is the fact that. Although he's been very, you know, he's very promising for his age, and I think he's had some really good performances. There are also moments of real naivety where he, he's he's rash in moments, isn't he? I think for Liverpool's case, it's okay. You're going to pay 18 million, which is a bargain for a player of that talent. But do you want to be the ones who give him the games to develop that further? I, I think that's a big call for them to make because you know if Liverpool want to get back to to challenging for Premier Leagues and. and well, Europa League's maybe next season. Um, they, then they'll, they'll, you know, they need their options to be top top class, don't they? They can't be putting minutes in for Quebec to to make sure he eventually reaches the level. So, I think at the moment, I, I may be erring on the side that they, they might not sign him permanently, just because I just don't think they can guarantee a young centre half the games he needs to get to get there. Yeah, and I think it's, I mean, on the flip side of that, I think do you think they might want to get an extra? body in though just to kind of avoid this whole situation again obviously like you said Van Dijk Gomez and Matip are, are going to come back into the equation but they may also pick up it's bound to happen they're going to pick up like slight injuries so then it leaves us with uh, well Canate and if we don't do it do the Kabak deal then just Phillips and Canate um, so do you think we'll we'll have Four, the usual four, or do you think maybe we'll, we'll try and keep five around just just for the near future while that those guys get back up to speed properly? I I think they'll go with the four because they, I, I think the season, as much as we were saying that we we never want to see it again earlier, it is proved that Fabinho can can fill in, can't he? At centre yeah. half on occasion, and I think when you've got Jordan Henderson fit, that's a lot easier of a decision to make because you put him in as a holding midfielder, and he's he's the only one in the squad that's probably near. To Fabinho in terms of his yeah. level in that position, and uh, I don't think you lose too much, even though he's not not maybe as good as, as Fabinho as a holding mid. So I think they'll hope that they just get a slight, a little bit more luck with injuries this this next season, and, and then I think if you have Van Dijk, Gomez, um, Matip, Canate, or, or, or maybe another centre half that they decide to go for, 
as your four options. And then Fabinho there as a break glass option. You know, you'd like to think they're not going to be in a situation next season where all three of them knock off with, with long-term knee injuries, touch wood, um, and they'll think that that's, that's enough options in there. And, and then if they can bolster the central midfield uh, options as well, which I think would be an important part of that, that does give you a bit more flexibility then, doesn't it, in, in terms of if you did ever need to, to put Fabinho back there. Yeah, and that, that feeds in nicely to, I mean, I don't know how much time we've got, but I just wanted to ask you about uh, Thiago because did you see the Chris Bascom piece uh, on Monday? And then I think Phil McNulty um, started tweeting stuff, and he got a lot of a lot of comments on it because about Thiago not registering registering an assist this year, and he was basically saying that's his job, and he's kind of like he's been a failure because of that. Where do you stand on all this in terms of Thiago's numbers and his output? Yeah, well, I, I'll start. I'll start by saying I really like Phil. Uh, he's, a, he's a really good guy. I, I just disagreed with him on that one, just as a footballing point. To be honest, I think obviously some of the some of the stick he got was ridiculous. As it, it's social media, it's typical of social media, I suppose. Um, he just made a football point, but I, I, I disagree with him on that one. I think where I would agree with him actually is, is and I thought, thought it was a fair point, was that I think we can probably say that Thiago hasn't hasn't sort of reached our expectations yet. I think, we, you know, every Liverpool fan was maybe really excited to see him coming in and, and, and thought he was going to dominate. And he, he's got the talent to do that. He's brilliant. And he has at times. He's really shown that some of his passing is outrageous. I think he's the most natural ball player out of any of Liverpool's central midfield options they've got. But and equally, you know, like he said, and he, he mentioned in that thread, you know, for him to not be starting those games against Real Madrid. And and I completely understand what Klopp was going for. It was a tactical decision. He wanted high press, didn't he? He wanted energy in there. And, he, he, you know, Thiago's more of a passer. But I still think the player would have been hugely disappointed to not be in there. He's not joining Liverpool to, as a Champions League winner to sit out two legs of a quarter-final. I, I, I just don't believe that at all. So I think that speaks to the fact that he hasn't been quite what we expected, um, and I think there's more to come because there, there are huge mitigating circumstances, aren't there? It's you know the injury, the the COVID, settling into a new club at a time when everything is going wrong. You know every VAR decision is going against Liverpool. Every injury you could imagine, every player is getting that. Um, so I think I think next season, hopefully, if if things settle down a bit and and Liverpool's look just slightly evens out, I think we'll see a totally different player. And he'll be massively aided by having Fabinho in midfield, by the way, because I think some of his best performances have come with Fabinho just behind him, sort of sweeping things up. So I'm really excited to see that. I just don't think when we do see him at his top level for Liverpool, we, we won't be seeing, seeing many assists, like you say, because I think it was two he got in the Bundesliga last season and, and, and he was widely regarded as the you know the best midfielder in the world. So, yeah, I'm not expecting too many assists from him. I'm just expecting... Some better performances and improvement, and I think I think Liverpool fans can expect that because he's he's such a good player, really good character, really got his head screwed on, and and with a year of adaptation and like I say, just getting some players back around him, I think I think he's going to be a top class option, and uh, yeah, just really excited to see him at his best, especially with fans in as well. That'll be nice. Yeah, I think I think he even done a I think it was an interview with Marker, and he said he can't wait for for Anfield to be full because there's he's one of the players that haven't. Haven't experienced that as a as a home player, so that's going to be, like you said, that's going to be a huge one. But Alex also in the comments just said, can't get an assist if a player doesn't score. He's got a seemingly good vision, but does work better when he has freedom. And like you said, Dave having Fab in midfield. I mean, I remember one distinctly chance that he created was off a free kick, and he's he done it with Bayern as well, where he clipped it over the top, and Bobby was through on goal. 
and Bobby just had one of those moments where he didn't know where to head it or overhead it or volley it or back heel it. He just caught him out seven different minds and he ended up taking too long. And and it's it's stuff like that where, like you said, mitigating circumstances, injuries and positional uh, personnel and then form and then no fact. There's so many things to, to take into account. And I think that's what annoys me when people say this about Thiago because if you look at his... I mean, I had a little look at his, his, his stats, and I think he's got a career high of six assists in one season. That's not amazing, is it? That's like, no. it's good, but like, you think De Bruyne got 20, was it last year, the year before? It's like someone like that who who is further forward. I mean, Thiago can be that player, but like you said, we need we need the players around him to give him that support and to give him, to give him that mentally structured environment. And I think Van Dijk, Gomez and Matip and Fabinho and Henderson and those players missing all those at the same time is unheard of, isn't it? And I think yeah. when when we get those back, it's going to be we're going to be a completely different, a completely different side, aren't we? I, I think just on the Thiago thing, actually, the the perfect Thiago moment for me that sums up this assist debate is is um, against Newcastle when he pings that one into Salah. Salah lays it off, and Jossie gets the shot. Now that doesn't show up in any metrics whatsoever, but it's the pass before the pass to the shot. So it's, you know, like a pre-assist almost. And and no one else in the Liverpool squad, I don't think, could have, could have seen that pass or executed it with the pace and, and precision that he did. But it creates a big chance that Jota should maybe do better with. So, you know, it's stuff like that I'm really looking forward to seeing. And like you say, in a, in a more stable team, I think we will see a lot more of it. So that's, yeah, another thing to look forward to next season. Yeah, and, and just another one, that quick, the, the, the goal that I'll always... Be a goal in my mind, anyway. The one like Agusson Henderson's that ball for Sadio Mane. Oh, yeah, that one yeah. is just when you look at a freeze frame of that, you're like, how is he even? I mean, the ball's on, but the way he plays it and the way to pass, it's like you said, Dave. He's just a he's a joy to behold, isn't he? Sometimes that the way the way he passes that ball. But um, Dan's just got to put a comment in here. Um, obviously, don't agree with any form of online abuse, but can I ask David if he thinks specific journalists? Ask for and or entice want the negative reaction from some fa- fans by their own ridiculous headlines. Um, to, I, I think some some journalists. I, I mean, I try literally try and avoid it at all costs. I, 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 I hate. <laughs> I, I absolutely hate it. I've, I've got such a fragile ego that I can't. I can't take it if anyone <laughs> disagrees with me. So, um, yeah, I, I think with the headlines thing, sometimes you, you're absolutely stuck because the. It's we say it all the time, but but we don't write the headlines. You know, I, I certainly don't. I I work for different publications. I send over my copy, and, and they come up with the headlines. So it's, it's sort of not up to me. So if, you know, I think in those cases, I think if some people could maybe show understanding and, and think, okay, well, I've not come up with that, and, and and I like to think I don't write things that are you know incendiary or, or try and wind people up. Um, so I know, I know some journalists will put tweets out that are sort of deliberately entice people to give them angry reactions because they don't mind that sort of stuff and they think, you know, any sort of engagement is good. I know some people like that because they've got thicker skin than I have, but, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the cases, uh, you know, the sub-editor will have come up with a headline, so you, maybe the journalists don't deserve as much stick as they get. And, and a lot of the time as well, I always think it's worth, if before you're going to share it and say, oh, the headline on this or the tweet into it is, is ridiculous... Just go in and read the piece and see if what the journalist actually wrote reflects what the company yeah. wrote it for, is tweeted it, or 
or the headline they've put on it because sometimes you just get stitched up by the way stuff's presented so and then if they did you know if you go in and you read the piece and they did say it all right fair enough get stuck into them i'm not bothered but um you know otherwise it's you just you've just got to be sort of wary about it because people are just pretty angry on there aren't they and i don't think it does anyone any good yeah i think like it I mean, it's not funny, but like James Pierce just gets just pure, pure abuse. Like even if, a, like you said, if it's kind of phrased in a way, and then you'll like comment, reply back, going, "Have you even read the piece?" And the pe- the person will be like, "No." I was like, "Well, it's like you said, Dave. Like if you if you're not reading it, and you if if the article's not reflective of the title, then yeah, fair enough. But it's yeah, it's just. But that's just that's just Twitter for you, isn't it? It's an absolute. Well, set, I mean, it's great at times, but it is a cesspit in others as well. James got James got a load of stick for a piece he wrote about in the uh, build when when the draw had been made for the Champions League quarterfinals and he he wrote the uh, it was something about Salah and Ramos and all that situation um, and he'd used a Klopp quote in the in the headline which was about well he may not have even come up with the headline in fact but his intro was about um, uh, Klopp calling Salah uh, Ramos sorry a, a wrestler and that made it into the headline and it was his intro as well and. A, and people were like, he was getting absolutely leathered with people going, why are you still crying about this? Okay, so Liverpool have drawn Real Madrid in the Champions League again for the first time since the final, where that was the big talking point of the final. And people are asking him why he's still crying about it. He's not. He's he's, he's writing about it because it's interesting, a throwback to that game. And the, the wrestler bit was, was what Jurgen Klopp said. James didn't say it. So it's I, I just sometimes just, I, I don't know what you can do about that because... <laughs> He's every right as a journalist to write about that, hasn't he? Because it's that's the interesting point of the game. It's the throwback to the last meeting. So stuff like that's frustrating. I, I suppose sometimes if I tweet something out and I know people are going to take it the wrong way, I just mute it. So, you know, that's fine. That's probably the best way to go about it, I think. Yeah. Well, Dave, actually, I could I could talk about this for hours, but we're, we're getting on for 33 minutes here and we haven't actually touched on the, the match that much, have we? So, uh... what? There's a match yeah. on? What? I know, yeah, fucking hell. Well, to be honest, I was gonna, we're gonna say we usually do like a, a live, live um, team news reaction and and match review straight after. But obviously, with all this blackout stuff, we're gonna join in with that. So we're gonna do ours on Monday. But um, yeah, we'll kind of wrap it up a little bit there. But I just wanted to ask you, um, who would you, who would you start then for um, for Sunday? Would you? If it was your if it was your team, would you go front four and just go fuck it? Let's just get at them, or would you play it quite conservative? Like I think I think we all know Klopp's going to do, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's going to go conservative, and I, I I think there's some sense in it. In, in, in if you know if Nat Phillips is available, you know fingers crossed he is. That would really give you then the the ability to sort of give that that platform of, of Milner, Thiago, Wijnaldum, wouldn't it? That's that's you know a midfield that we've seen recently has played well I think Milner is really important to get in there in terms of his leadership and, and he's really good in terms of the press as well so that could be really handy to get in there so I think I think the manager will see it that way and we will want to go down that route and then go with the front three um, if if Nat Phillips isn't there then you know maybe that's the sort of thing that pokes him over the line and says oh let's just go for it but yeah I, I think he'll lean on the side of conservatism because it's just generally in his makeup. Yeah, um, I agree. I mean, I would love us to go for it and put that bad, horrendous record to pay and just absolutely batter them. But I know how good United can be as well. They they are a good side, unfortunately. Um, but it's a good it's a good thing that they've got no fans there. So even if they do something good this year, there's no one there to to um, 
But uh, the experience, that's, 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 I mean, that might be mean of me, but who cares? <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what have you got for the score predictions there? What are you reckoning then? To be honest, I, I think Manchester United will win. Um, oh, I, no. I, I don't, I don't go, <laughs> I, I don't go there with much hope this time. I think Liverpool's the, the issues with this Liverpool team are just too deep rooted and won't be solved until some players are back in there. So, and I think United, are, you know, they're not phenomenal, but they're a very good side at the moment. And, and this season, they, they deserve to be where they are. To be honest, so I, I, you know, them being at home, I, I, I think United will win. I think they'll maybe two one or three one even. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for one-one. I think. I just think. I take that all day. Yeah, I know that's what I mean. But I just, I just, I agree. I always think United are gonna win at Old Trafford. I mean, it doesn't happen. I mean, I was gonna say it doesn't happen often, but it, it, we just kind of seem to get a mental block. Like even when we've got full, fully fit, I feel like Trent sometimes just has like a bit of a mental block there, and he doesn't quite play his normal his normal game. And I think it's the same for. For most of the players, I think it's just that environment, and even like obviously, even with no fans, I still think it's still a difficult place to go, isn't it? So yeah, I think I'm I'm just gonna hope for one one, but also silently pray that we get like a last minute winner and it's like two one or something like that, and we well, can. You never know, just because you know you've gone there with Liverpool teams in recent years and thought they should wipe the floor with them here, yeah. and, and and like you say, they've just sort of seemed to have a, a freeze in in that moment, so. You know, maybe this is the one they rock up and they're playing absolutely terribly, and and United are flying a little bit, and they just wipe the floor with them now. So like that, you, know, you never know, do you? Yeah. Well, Paul's gone for one-one. Um, Dan has gone for three-two to Liverpool, and he's gone for a decent little start eleven there. Um, so an... thanks, for, thanks for your response as well. That, that would be an insanely me? stressful game, wouldn't it? Three-two. Oh, I know. After the thing, when I do these predictions and people are going, I reckon four, four all. I'm like, fucking hell, don't be jinxing it like that. I can't take four all. Fucking hell. Stressful enough season as it is, isn't it? But uh, Dave, nice one. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it there. Nice one again for uh, for jumping on. If you haven't checked out uh, Dave's stuff, go on. You can see his, um, his Twitter um, tag on just on the underneath his, his um, screen there and um, yeah we'll leave it there nice one again Dave for jumping on we'll be back on Monday for the match review hopefully celebrating not a 3-1 loss but uh, maybe celebrating a 1-1 I don't know I just, just, just don't just don't lose and that, that, I think that's the mentality going to the Old Trafford just don't lose and, and we'll be alright but yeah thanks again to Dave and thanks everyone in the comments for jumping in and we'll uh, see you on Monday Podcast Network.